Uh, welcome to Worldview Matters. This is Ross and my co-host Bob. Bob, glad to be with you again. Look forward to chatting. Always something interesting going on in the world, either from a big picture standpoint or a, a very micro standpoint. But we've got a lot of things to talk about today. Welcome, my friend. Thank you, Ross. It's always good to be with you. And, you know, as we said, we try to tie some of the things that we talk about on this show, the big perspective of how we look at or view the world, with things that are going on around us in our world every day. For some of the things that are on the news right now is the possible upcoming war with Syria and possibly Russia. Behind all that is this idea of, of chemical warfare. Should, should we take a, a hard line on being the, uh, the nation that basically enforces all of, the, all of the, the laws of war, or are there other agendas behind that? I know those are things that you guys are talking about on your Just talk, Talking It Up uh, profile show, Ross. Yeah, we have been talking about that to some degree. We haven't gotten very deeply into the political issues, but obviously the situation in Syria has more overtones than simply political. I mean, we're getting to some incredibly core issues and values and evil, and I know we want to talk a little bit about evil and whether it exists or not, but this really does uh, get at the heart of that. If you look at the Syrian situation, your question becomes, how could someone take another human being and gas them. <clears throat> of course, at this point, I'm not sure we know who did the gassing. I mean, we're, if we go over there, I know this is not the subject we wanted to talk about, but it, it does have pertinence, I think, to our topic. We can bomb Assad, which means that it puts us in concert and in partnership with Al Qaeda and the Muslim Brotherhood. So we've got snakes on one side of the road and snakes on the other side of the road. Who do we, who do we side with? Or would, do we just step, step back and say, God's going to have to sort this thing out? Well, and as you said earlier, there is something underneath all of this. Is, is evil really real? When we see things like, uh, we did a show back several weeks ago uh, about the, uh, the murders at Sandy Hook Elementary by, uh, by Adam Lanza. And we talked then about, about this propensity for societies to fall further and for, further in a declination toward evil, toward wickedness. And, uh, but there's a whole debate going on right now in the public forum between neuroscientists and theologians, philosophers, about does evil really even exist? Is evil, as, as Augustine said, uh, something that is non-being, this malevolent, uh, wicked, scheming uh, ideology slash even maybe a, a realm or a kingdom? Or is evil just something that goes on in the chemicals in someone's brain? And, you know, how you, how you land on that really makes a big difference in how you look at the world, how you interpret the world, and how you act in a world that either believes this or doesn't believe this. Well, it really comes down to some basic issues that we've talked about many times before. It comes down to the issue of truth, uh, of whether God exists and was there a fall uh, did, that, it, that occurred? Did 
Did Satan, was Satan one of the angels who fell? And these are deeply theological issues, but uh, I find it hard to believe that anyone could say that evil doesn't exist. I think that, as JP reminded us before the show, Satan has a reign, a reign. I think it's a small R-E-I-G-N over the world, but you know, we're in constant tension we live in constant tension, even as believers, as we come to know Christ. Uh, that doesn't mean that we are not going to sin, small s. It does mean that we are not in a condition of sin, large s, capital S. But we still are in that tension of fighting good and bad. And uh, every day in our conscience tells us that we're in this battle of doing right versus doing wrong. And it's hard for me to think that Hitler did not succumb to the evil desires that Satan put in his heart, and he just gave himself to, I think it says in Romans 1, a reprobate mind. And he continued to live a, malevolent is a great word, it, it seems to have a harshness to it, which I believe that evil has. It's probably an understated harshness, but uh, I believe I believe evil exists. Well, and you're, you're not alone. I think most of the civilized world sort of have this, has this intuitive sense that there's something categorically malevolent. That's a great word in, in, in the world today that's working in the world today. And yet, there is a growing number of neuroscientists. These are people that study brain chemistry for a living. They're outside my pay grade. And many of these neuroscientists are now beginning to say for the first time, no, evil is not a malevolence. Evil is a malfunction of the brain. We can go back and prove through, uh, through MRI studies that people who do bad things, what we reportedly call evil things, you can see certain regions of their brain that actually don't light up when they're doing these things. And so brain chemistry is the problem behind these, what we would call heinous acts, whether it's Hitler, Idi Amin, Osama bin Laden, whoever, these new neuroscientists would say, it's not a problem with a malevolent, invisible realm. It's a problem with brain chemistry, and we can fix that once we understand it enough. Well, uh, I think that uh, it's very difficult. You have to come to the conclusion, basically, that there is no God, or God is benign, or God is feckless, or he has no power, no strength. He's not sovereign. He's not omnipresent. He's not... Uh, uh, he has no strength, and I believe, obviously, as believers, we do not believe that in any way. So I, I don't come down on that, the side that there is no evil. It's just a malfunction in the brain. Well, and yet, you and I both know that in this, we believe worldview matters, and in this marketplace of ideas that's now Western culture, there are people, there are atheists who don't believe in a personal God. They believe that we evolved from matter, that if there's anything eternal, it's not God himself, it's the material universe. And we've done other shows on that. Uh, but these materialists, these scientific uh, neuroscientists, are saying 
Uh, God doesn't exist, and so evil, therefore, doesn't exist. Uh, actually, free will doesn't exist. We're all products of, you know, time and chance and evolutionary development. And because of that, all these things we see going on in the world around us from this naturalistic worldview says we can fix all this if you just give us enough time and we understand enough about how the brain chemistry works. And yet you and I, and we unapologetically have said on the show over and over again that our worldview is a biblical theism, a Christocentric theism. We believe there are good reasons logical reasons why we think that God does exist and that the world is more than just happenstance based on varying degrees of evolution. Uh, but the rest of many people in the world, Ross, and you know this, don't buy into a theistic worldview. And so they're saying it's just brain chemistry. Evil's not really there. And yet we see horrible examples of it. Columbine shootings, uh, all the serial killers that have taken place in recent history. Uh, Idi Amin, you said Hitler. And yet there's some people in the scientific community that believe all of Hitler's evil, quote-unquote, was just a byproduct of him being bitten by a mosquito 10 years earlier. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, you know, let's, let's take it even more basic than that. If you believe that there is no evil... Um, who should define evil? Who, who defines whether Hitler was evil or not? If you say Hitler is evil, Hitler Hitler was evil, or Hitler had malfunction in his brain that caused him to do, quote, evil things. There's no evil, but it caused him to do evil things. Then the question is, who defined that those things were evil? I think that is a very, very, very important question. Uh, what, what is the basis for us being able to determine right from wrong, good from evil, if you will? And Ross, this is becoming an issue that's creeping into law. There's a whole new discipline in the studies of neuroscience that basically say, hey, you know what? We can't really determine if someone does something right or wrong because how do we know it's not brain chemistry that's causing that? There was a, a bill before the Supreme Court uh, about violent video games recently, and one of the justices basically said some of the neuroscience is incomplete about whether or not looking at violent video games actually can affect the neural pathways of the brain. So it's starting to affect law. But it gets back to your question. I think you're exactly right. Who's to say something is good or bad? Who's to say something is good or evil? Or even if the categories of good or evil actually even exist. Isn't this crazy? Well, you take Sharia law. That's one of the issues that, that we're facing as a culture when Islam moves into trying to usurp a more Judeo-Christian ethic worldview. And Sharia law allows there to be a mercy killing. Your daughter steps away from the Islamic faith, and it's okay to kill her. Now, all of a sudden, what is the anathema to the worldview, the Judeo-Christian ethic 
of the United States, they're trying to impose that in certain small areas of the United States, saying that they can can determine their own law for their particular uh, area and then, then ex- expand out from there. I mean, this is a major threat, I believe, that will face us in years ahead in the United States is this Muslim or Islam, uh, the, the growth of Islam, as well as Sharia law, which is a component of Islam. Well, I think you're making a great point that we are already in the middle of this growing debate of what is right and wrong, and who determines that? Is it going to be the Muslim view of right and wrong? Is it going to be the the Jewish view of right and wrong, the Christian view of right and wrong, or the neuroscientific view of right and wrong based on brain chemistry? Who's to decide that? And on the basis of who decides it, is it going to be the scientists or the theologians how what do we do about it? What laws do we have on our books that can that can affect our everyday life? And our listeners may wonder, boy, you guys just went up into the stratosphere of thinking, who cares really about these things? Well, we all should care. This here's the tagline of this show, worldview does matter. We should care because the laws that are on our books right now in Western culture were derived largely from a bibliocentric view of God. And now that we're rejecting that worldview, it's going to be replaced with something. The question is going to be, what is it going to be replaced with? Yeah, where there's a void, the void's going to be filled in some way. But let's let's go back. Uh, We have listeners, hopefully, that are all up and down the age spectrum maybe from even teenager to uh, octogenarian or whatever the next group is, 80s, 90s, and 100s, and what have you. But uh, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, was there ever a question as to whether evil existed or not? That question is coming up today when I don't think it, it would have ever been given the the time of day, the, the, the thought, the discussion that is having today. We're talking about something that if you raise this issue 40 years ago, people have said, you're crazy as a drunk snake for even considering that there's no evil. There is absolute evil. And at that time, there was a, there was a worldview that truth was absolute and not relative. And we're seeing that a significant departure from that today in the minds of, of people. And we're seeing, obviously, the, uh, the willingness of people to accept this thing called diversity, which in the, in the vernacular of today's society, diversity does not mean that things are different and it's okay to believe what you want to. It doesn't change what's true. But everybody's opinion and all points of view are looked at as being true and valid today by a certain segment of society. And that is an absolute devastating thing to a, to a society. I think our future as a society is in significant question because of that. 
Well, you know that I agree with you, my friend, and it's interesting that you uh, you hearken back to 40, 50 years ago. Uh, in, in the Nuremberg War Tribunals that happened after World War II, nobody in the civilized world at that point had any question of whether or not Hitler's regime was evil or not. Everybody recognized it as an evil wickedness that took place in his eradication, attempted eradication of, of, of Jews at that time. And yet, and yet now, 50 years later, there's a debate about whether evil even exists. That in itself shows this slippery slope, this worldview disintegration of Western thought that's taking place among us. In fact, you know, who's to say if there's no basis for absolute right and wrong, who's to say that chemical warfare is wrong? That's correct. That's exactly right. Because there's no basis to make the determination. You, you go back, you mentioned Hitler. You realize that Hitler was a part of, he never moved away from what he called the the church. Now, the confessing church that was started by Dietrich Bonhoeffer and some of his followers moved away from the, quote, Catholic church that was taken over in Germany by the Nazis and adulterated and even had their own people come in as head of that church. But the confessing church was looked at as, quote, the church by the believing uh, members, uh, but the, the church that Hitler or the belief system that Hitler tried to impose on that church was a very occultic worldview. The, the symbolism of that particular, of what he added to that church was tremendously occultic. As a matter of fact, they had their own uh, wedding ceremonies and what have you. Himmler was married in one of those ceremonies attended by Hitler. So the occult and satanic issues just permeated the entire movement of the Nazis during that period from the late 20s all the way through to 1945. Well, and you know, that term satanic, that's, that's interesting. You and I, almost every believer, uh, Christian believer, Jew believer, oddly enough, Muslim believer, believes in a literal being called Satan, that there's an invisible realm of evil, uh, call it a force, call it an axis, if you would, call it whatever you want to, but there's something called evil at work in the world. Even some atheists are reluctant to give up on the idea of evil. Christopher Hitchens, when he wrote his obituary for Osama bin Laden, uh, and he's an, he's an avowed atheist, basically couldn't, he says he felt compelled to call what motivated bin Laden a force that absolutely deserves to be called evil. But if there's no God in the universe, what basis does anyone have of calling anything evil? And yet we know inherently there is something evil at work in the world today. Well, you're, when you say that there is evil, you are saying there is an absolute. Now, the only question is, where does the absolute come from? Because evil has to be compared to a standard. If there's evil, there's good, right? So there's, there's a standard. So where's the standard? Where's the plumb bob? And to what degree do you have to move to one side of that uh, straight line to be called evil? 
or is it is it uh, mischievous, bad, uh, malevolent, evil? What's the what is the gradient that takes place between absolute good and absolute evil? Now, you, you also could say that there is no such thing as darkness. There's only the absence of light. Um, so, is good is evil simply the absence of good or the unwillingness of uh, of man to accept the the perfect nature of God? Uh, I don't know that that's their argument, but um, I, I find no quarrel with the viewpoint that evil absolutely exists. And I think that in your conscience, at some point in time, you know what that is. God is knocking at the heart of every man to deter, to, to say to them, hey, this is good, this is bad, do this, don't do this. This is the little, we've seen the cartoon where there's a little angel sitting on one shoulder and Satan sitting on the other shoulder, both speaking into the to the ear that they're closest to, to, to tell someone which way to go. And probably we get so far away from, from truth and from God's word and God's speaking to us that you become jaded you become seared your conscience is seared and therefore you will be given over to a reprobate mind that's spoken of in Romans 1 and we talked about that in one of our shows several weeks back and I'm glad you brought that up because in Romans 1 there is a God in the heavens who literally it says gives men over to uh, increasing degrees of wickedness. That's the term that's used there. And he does that because they repress the truth. Uh, not long ago, I had a chance to take my, my grandchildren uh, to a, a pool to hang out on a hot July day. And one of the games they wanted to play was keep the beach ball under the water. And we kept we had this blown-up beach ball, and someone would try to sit on it, and the ball kept popping up because... It had air that made it not want to be underwater. That's, that idea of suppressing truth is the same idea of what people have to do with truth in the same way that we have to keep a beach ball underwater. It takes great effort to do that. And yet, men supposedly, according to God, do that over and over again. But Ross, here's the kicker. The writer of the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul, in another of his letters to the book to the church at Ephesus said that our struggle on the earth is not just against humans. He says we are warring against principalities and powers, against forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. These uh, there's this hierarchy led by a being called Satan, who once was known as Lucifer, who heads up this incredible, amazing, invisible realm of evil. And it's affecting every one of our lives. Of course, this is a biblical, Christocentric worldview. And uh, we believe that because we think it's supported by good facts, but ultimately it's supported by the fact that God has revealed himself in this world, and he says that these things are true. But as you said a minute ago, Ross, increasingly... Western culture is rejecting God, rejecting a worldview that's based on God's revelation, and more and more accepting a worldview based on scientific relativism and naturalism. 
And the debate now is, how do we know? How do we know that? Well, I think that, let's say to our listeners, what is our message there? I think the message is we need to intellectually come to grips with these questions and figure out where we stand on them. And if it's not something, what's happening here is not benign. It's incredibly cancerous. And we need to, number one, figure out where we stand on these things. Number two, figure out what we can do about them uh, because we probably can evaluate the degree to which we are going to be in trouble if we don't do something about them individually and collectively because we're seeing this permeate our politics. It's permeating our everyday action in the corporate world, in schools, it's in colleges and moving down into high school and even lower. So um, it is a, it's an incredibly terrifying situation, I think, to have this uh, uh, abomination of of the Judeo-Christian ethic to become part of the the whoop and wharf of our society today. Well, you know, there, there's a there's another interesting angle to this. The, the Bible, there, there's a verse in the Bible that says that the God of this world, and that's a reference to this being called Satan. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the glory of the gospel of Christ Jesus. So in one sense, there is a blinding, there's a, there's a jamming of the intellectual radar in our, in our hearts that keeps people from understanding and seeing the evil that's going on around us and also the good of the gospel of Christ. Ross, we've had other shows we've talked about evidence for the resurrection of Christ, evidence for uh, the reliability of Scripture. And yet working against that is not just people who don't like it. There's a God, a being behind that that is basically somehow, in some amazing way, preventing people from seeing it. And so we have an erosion, an erosion of light, an, ev- an erosion of truth taking place in our culture today that seems to me, Ross, and you know, maybe our listeners can give us feedback on this, seems to be increasing, not decreasing. Well, it seems that it's, uh, it seems to be permeating more segments of society today than than ever before. Uh, I don't know whether it's just that I'm I'm old and cynical or not, but it seems like you wake up every day and feel like that there are segments of the global society that are working against everything you believe in, and maybe. Maybe we're seeing the last days that Scripture talks about when it says basically that uh, we're going to be given over to the prince of prince of darkness in the in the world, and that's going to be the fight that we have until until the Lord returns. And one of the things that 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 the Scripture tells us about that is that preceding that evil, preceding the Lord turning the whole world over to forces of darkness. That preceding that, there has to be, first of all, a great falling away. There's got to be a a movement from a worldview that lifts up truth 
that lifts up God, that lifts up uh, his historical plan for salvation. There has to be a refutation of all that, a falling away from that position to a position that basically says evil doesn't exist. Men can live any way they want to. But there's a sinister side to this, and we were talking about it before we went on, on the air today, that some of the suggestions of the neuroscientists about what do you do with people like Jeffrey Dahmer, what do you do with people like uh, Anders Breivik, who went through uh, that summer camp a couple of years ago and methodically killed dozens and dozens of people. What do you do with these people that may not be evil in a metaphysical sense, but in the minds of neuroscientists are still bad people? What do you do with them? And some of the suggestions are we've got to get them off the street. And the way we get them off the street is we do MRIs on people at some part of their upbringing and find out indications of whether or not they're able to function in the world or not. And if they can't, then we put them in an institution. Who's to say who goes and who doesn't go? Ross, this has Orwellian implications to it. Somebody's going to make those calls. Hitler made that call in Nazi Germany, didn't he? He said, if you're, if you're a Jew, we have a right, the state has a right to exterminate you for the benefit of the rest of the state. Hitler made that call. Well, the truth, is, the truth is Obamacare has provisions in there that are similar to this. Because there will be, there is now, and there will be even further, it's, it's been revealed in Obamacare that uh, there will be rationing of that, of, uh, of medical help for people. And that moves towards euthanasia and determining at what point in life has life ceased to have value to the overall society and therefore either there will be a withholding of medical help or there will be uh, extermination or termination of life. I mean, those are the directions that these things are heading in. There's no doubt about it. And behind all of this is a worldview. Behind all of this is an ideology. And that's what we want our listeners to know. That's why this show is on the air. That's why we appreciate Big Brains Media for giving us a platform to make the statement over and over again that worldview matters. That the world that we knew 40 years ago, Ross, that world of order and law and absolutes, that world is increasingly on a slippery slope to annihilation. And the question is going to be, what world will replace that? Who's to say that government doesn't have the right to withhold care from some people that they deem subhuman or not worthy of receiving care? Who says that's right or wrong? I hope that our listeners will realize that everything goes back to what we think and believe about the world around us. Because worldview really does matter. You know, the, one of the other, other things about this, Bob, and our time is about to run out here, but we have become in this technological age uh, very isolated. It's easy for us to isolate ourselves from other human beings in terms of personal touch. 
And when you do that, as believers, we believe in Acts 2.42, which says, forsake not the gathering together of believers. And the technology allows us to do that, to isolate ourselves and, and not be in contact with people. And that's just, I think it's a scary thought. It's easy for us to feel like that we can be on an island and exist uh, in a virtual world without contact. And we do have to come to grips, as you just said, with these issues of truth. Is truth absolute or relative? Is Does God exist or does he not? Who is this man called Jesus? Was he crucified and did he raise again on the third day? And you've got to answer all these questions, whatever answer you come up with. And it's not, it's not acceptable, I don't think, to a thinking person to say, well, you know, all that's it's, um, it's hocus pocus. Uh, I don't have to deal with that. Yeah, we do. We've got to deal with that. So, Bob, great being with you. I think this leads us at a good point. We'd like to have listeners weigh in on that. Let us know how you think about this, what you think about this, just how important these issues are to you. Uh, let us know. We'd love to be challenged in some way. And if we don't challenge you enough, go to Big Brains Media. There are seven other shows on Big Brains Media that will, I think, give you something of interest. A couple of football shows, Auburn Unleashed, Bama Talk, Undone Redone, which is a very good show about that a couple has about their problems and their divorce. And then they're getting back together, of course, Weather Brains, which James Spann, uh, the author of our Big Brains Media and the founder of Big Brains Media. That was the initial show on this, uh, Just Talking It Up. Janet and I do that show. So we'd love to have you come and make your choice of, matter of fact, we'd like for you to listen to all these things. But, Bob, thank you so much. Great to be with you. Look forward to being with you next time. You too, Ross. Thank you.